Hello and welcome to Everyday Channel number 117, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Carl Lum, I just woke up and I'm 40 minutes late to our recording. I'm so sorry, dude. How's it going, man? God, I, I had a, an interview with the Queen lined up. I have to skip it for this. Um, I hope this is a good episode because of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to be right. And I mean, she yeah. deserves it. After, after she stood us up last time and then we had to do with Andrea Mangucci. He's I not guess the if queen. you want to think of it like that. Yeah, well, he's better, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good evening. Uh, it's It's been a week. A whole week since the last episode we uh we're really living up to our like deceptively named bi-weekly podcast because we did an episode last week and before that it was three weeks so we're really just mixing it up no one has any idea what's going on and we're all over the place just waiting yeah, but these are like really turbulent times for legacy right uh, now yeah. that like bands are happening left and right mm-hmm. and wizards even hinted that there might be some in the well not the immediate future but whatever right like yeah quote there soon and then there's wizards soon, whatever that is going to mean. But we, we'll talk about that later on, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. They they definitely use some interesting language, which I was quite pleased with. But yeah, we'll get into that later, for sure. Cool. Have, have you been playing? Uh, I think you, you played something in the last challenge. Was it Spirits again? No, I played um, Mono White Painter in the challenge. How many it, painters are there? There's many. This is what's so... I God, can, we could just do like an episode on painting. I could talk for five hours. Um, there's so many. Like, it's so cool. I think cool. we actually did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, so this one, it's it's a different approach, actually. It's more tempo-y beatdown, actually. Um, so you have uh, Esper Sentinels in there, and then you have Mother of Runes to kind of protect Esper Sentinels. You have some Ether Swarm Cannonists, I think a three main deck. And um, you play four Wastelands and you play Oswald and he's pretty good at like sacking a two-mana artifact to go and get a Crucible to rebuy the Sagas and Wastelands usually. So it's actually, it's a, it's an interesting deck because it has a ton of grinding power. Like it, could, it really went tit for tat against some of the, the fair blue decks I played against and like really can outgrind things. But there's no raw card draw except for Esper Sentinel, which is quite easy to play around that. So all the cards generate value not by drawing actual more cards um like the i've got the name of the two mana one one that etb is you look at the top four and get an artifact uh oh yeah 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 i've been playing with it so much and i've already forgotten the name but then it grows more and stuff um yeah so played that in the challenge really really sweet deck um uh we'll we'll post the deck list in the show notes in the show notes cool yeah uh i went uh four three so middling but um i had a nice three zero start i played against like eight cars twice and i had like spirit uh spirit of the labyrinths in the sideboard which are pretty good but um also like caracas and wasteland are very good against them so then i ran into the good blue red delvers um uh part of the challenge and murk tide is a massive problem for the deck i just had two or three swords in the sideboard and just didn't draw them enough <laughs> this is like the legacy uh, thinking oh yeah big flying creatures are a problem for me uh, two or three swords in the sideboard dude well, i mean one of the games they played an 8-8 dragon and then end of turn bolt me untapped and played another one untapped for 15. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for um, playing. It also it still blows my mind that we have that, right? A yeah. two mana, it's a fireball. Eight, eight dragon. I mean, it's a fireball dragon. Yeah, it makes sense, but it's big and blue. Anyway, this, yeah. yeah. I guess Maybe, when, you, when you have two, it's almost like the first one has haste. Yeah, or the second one has haste even. Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. It's basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. 
makes more sense actually yeah sweet sweet deck though um it is actually pretty powerful i quite liked a lot a lot of the stuff going on it was just weak to murktide because like with red painter you have six or seven blasts so obviously it's less of a problem and it is more weak to meltdown which is played a lot and god i hate that card it just keeps destroying me and i keep walking into it and but you're playing like more things that it dies to red paint is okay because sure you have some of the same artifact lands and you do have like grindstones and stuff but a lot of your creatures apart from painter are the the welders and the engineers but here you have sentinel and um canonist so when you get meltdown you get meltdown really hard <laughs> but you know also- what, what, my favorite part of the last week was seeing you all over twitter Whenever somebody mentioned Meltdown, you were like, no, 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 don't play. Don't. That was you were, today. Like, you were trying to like, that, that, that's like the stem that's about to breach and you were yeah, like, trying yeah. to pluck the holes. It's like, no, no, uh, no more Meltdown, no more Meltdown, please. I've been happy not mentioning it. And then Rich Kelly, who everyone listens to for Delver Advice for very good reason, posted Meltdown is, is amazing. You should play it. This is where I was like, all right, time to plug the dam. Fuck this. Please stop playing this card. It's so brutal. Um, <laughs> it's It's not too bad to play against with Red Painter though, which... Um, we can get into it a little bit later. I think Red Painter won a lot by Ragavan being banned just by essence of all of Delver's threats apart from Dragon Rage Channel and now probably dying to Pyroblast. So it, it's a lot better. Cool. So I'm happy. Cool. I'm happy. Uh, what about you? What have you been doing? I, Did you play in the challenge or anything cool recently? Uh, I played in the challenge. I got a five and two with elves. I literally nice. don't remember anything about it. Did you <laughs> play some green creatures and turn them sideways? Yeah, that's that's basically the way it goes. Um, you, you turn them sideways, and you turn them sideways again, then they become yeah, really big. upside it's, down and back to yeah. front. It's, it, <laughs> it plays so much more like Maverick these days. Like, the first time I, I played a build um, that was heavily leaning on the uh, uh, Reclaimer side of things, I actually named the deck Maverick Fs in my, in my MTGO mm-hmm. file. And it somewhat reminds me uh, reminds me of Value Elves, um, which, which is like a deck I played a long time ago, but that doesn't oh, really like, use Glimpse. You mean Chaos... Stuff. No, there were two different ones. So there okay, were Cha- okay. Chaos Elves is the one that doesn't use natural order. That's the one Beast I. Huh? Because that Beast Whisperer, I think. That... No, no, no. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> we, Chaos. We, 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 we I'm going to let uh, you talk about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, we, <laughs> so the, the, the Elves, uh, micro universe, whatever, the cinematic universe of Elves is like we have Elves. And then in 2016, was it 16 or 17? I think it was 16. I won MKM Milan with a build called chaos elves and chaos is because it lacks order as a natural order so it was a very very mid-range focus build of elves uh, but didn't use natural order uh because natural order you know is, is still a liability against blue decks uh i mean e- much less now that we have alosaurus shepherd <laughs> shout out to my boy uh <laughs> but yeah that's the one then i had a build that was called value elves i never really won a big tournament with it uh it also was more like a clearly sub-optimal list of elves but it was a lot of fun just to try diver players because it was heavily heavily um focused on on making divers life worse and also and have, most like, importantly leaders? yeah exactly yeah. i was gonna say like most importantly to make a check pile life worse nice. um because it played the the what are they called seven Rendron pack master i bet i think it might have had one um Cause, but because i remember that card being completely unbeatable for shardless bug <laughs> so yeah that, it, that, it was, that, so was funny. The, that was the original intention when i put it in yeah. there yeah it's it's four mana they kind of replicate yeah. oh, that was so good that was i so think i good. played against elves a few times at tournaments and you're in this position where you're like right everything's okay we're all good and then they just play this render on pack master and put an elvish risen underneath it and you're like oh <laughs> shit and you just stare at like this liliana and then they have loads of stupid one ones around the board like three abrupt decays and like a diabolic edict and you're just in pain 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that yeah. was such a good feeling. Do I remember that? Yeah. So yeah, and, and to complete that, so the last iteration was was Value Elves, where we used the four um, Beast Whisperer, um, which is like basically the the ongoing glimpse. It's a two three creature for four mana, and there were no glimpses, and I also think no natural orders in that list. So four for um, seven messengers for Beast Whisperers, and that deck really rather destroyed Jackpile and was also pretty good against Selva and it used one of my favorite cards um, Matsu Tribe Sniper oh yeah I remember seeing this I think I remember you watching you stream this a bit and like the deck was actually pretty good I mean obviously it was decent but like it was better than I think people expected yeah the pro- one problem was it was like horrible against anything combo like yeah. it was really bad against any of the combo decks I can see that because you can't threaten like the, the turn three kills that most elves could yeah, you're basically a Maverick deck without hate bears. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and going back to what we originally said, so in, in a way, the current versions of Elves that are now using um, uh, um, Reclaimer mm-hmm. uh, and are putting like the, 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 the glimpse aspect a bit to the side, they feel like a mishmash of all of those approaches where you try to de-emphasize natural order, try to de-emphasize glimpse. And now we, we're like in this this interesting spot i think i played against the the regular version of elves like the the heavily combo focused one um as well mm-hmm. uh no no that list i think made top eight that's where i saw it yeah i have played a good few leagues with like the recent versions which like newton you've been playing and stuff and i felt like the yeah the play patterns changed so much so i was like i was natural ordering for archon more than anything for non-lethal one i was winning with activating our sorrow shepherd more than anything else to actually close out a game and then still relying on the best friends to kind of outgrind some yeah. decks. But it didn't feel like as reliable against control now because they do just pull ahead with like dressed down into Uro stuff. And yeah, it, it yeah feels very different, but still very good. Yeah. Well, one day they're going to print Elf that actually is able to kill I mean, there are Elves that can kill creatures. They're just like absolutely unplayable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There'll be a, there'll be a modern horizons with elf themed and elves oh, yeah, will be yeah. completely broken, <laughs> <laughs> even more broken than right now. Yeah. yeah, but the other thing I did, I played a blue black Dane Mill with my Patreon Kevin. What you need to tell people what Dane Mill is? So it's just like blue black Mill and Legacy, and we call it Dane Mill because um, uh, I think Kevin's ancestors came from Denmark, and he still feels connected to Denmark, and we're trying to to make this a Danish deck. So so it's not so it's not red white colors like the like the flag. Yeah, not uh, red, white, mill. The, the exact opposite <laughs> of that at, at blue black, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we did really well. We played four and one. Can you imagine, like, somebody That's... going four and one with Miller and Legacy? Honestly, if you told me, like, I can hear the excitement in your voice, so I was going to guess a three two. So four one's really good, actually. Yeah, we, we are still trying to get that five and oh, The problem was, like, this deck literally can't beat Burn. Like, Burn <laughs> fights for a resource we have twenty of, and we fight for a resource they have sixty of, and it's it's not <laughs> even close. Uh, I would never have guessed Burn either. Like. I, I can see why it's impossible to win, but there's always like the the cool fringe um, brew like is four in a league, and then you just get like fucking lava spiked out. It's yeah. just such a classic ending. <laughs> that was great. It was great. We we played against two the different versions of Painter, and we managed to beat Cheskai Stoneblade and Esper Blade. Nice. I can see you being good against the slow grindy. Yeah, you, you, you have no idea, right? I guess you do <laughs> now that you mentioned. It. But when when you play against Esper Blade and you mill like all their equipments, like even if you just <laughs> mill the Kydra complete, they are yeah. sitting there with like a one two and a two one and a one two, and you have like crabs <laughs> that are o two and o three, and they're like, oh shit, how am uh, I ever gonna win? <laughs> because they didn't even have chase. Like the only thing they really? could, had that could get past was like Tunem Nemesis, and I mean that's still a long that's grind just, to that's get just there. Slow. Yeah. 
<laughs> nice. Crabs, crabs are the best blockers. Crabs and turtles, like they're just holding down the fort for days. In in modern, they play um, something evidence, which makes a zero three crab and a clue token, and it's like the best card against Ragavan. It just blocks it for days. It's really funny. <laughs> you know, like, the legacy mill deck is one crab away. Like right now, we have two, so we can play eight. We we are one crab away from being actually like a lower end tier two deck. Twelve crabs is insane and would be like broken in modern and probably legacy 12 crabs would be nuts <laughs> i guess if this if the the third crab like still only targets your opponent it would just be good <laughs> oh yeah but because it's also used in hogak right oh. yeah yeah <laughs> so well because you can't use the new crab because it only targets the opponent oh yeah yeah, well, yeah. we do we make full yeah. use of you're, you're, crabs. you're doing it the fair way Fine. nothing goes to waste in this rhyme <laughs> <laughs> yeah true Cool. So today, everybody knows what we're going to be talking about, right? We're going to be talking about the Ragavan, the, the monkey biting the dust. It's all over for Mr. Ragavan. He had a good run, had a pretty good run. He will be fondly remembered by actually not that many people, I guess. No, I don't think he'll be fondly remembered by anyone. <laughs> yeah, but first of all, we're going to talk um, about two quick other things. Uh, one of them is going to be the Saturday Legacy Challenge, which Wizards made some changes to. And the very first thing is going to be the content policy that Star City Games has revised. So for, I, I think ever since I got into Magic almost, Star City Games has been this this place where you go for tournament advice, for any kind of competitive play-related stuff. Given I went to it a lot less during the last couple of years, I think that drifted more over to either Channel Fireball or straight up people publishing on, on you know, some other independent platform. But they, they were still, like, relevant in that sense. And now Starset Games has released a statement. And to to sum it up is they are giving away all the competitive content, all the tournament-focused content, and are focusing more on... Well, they don't call it casual um, content, but that's what it pretty much boils down to, right? Is, is that how you understood it as well? Yeah, th- I mean... It's reading between the lines, but the lines are pretty clear. And I don't think they're trying to make it ambiguous either. Like, that's what it is, what it is they'll be doing. I don't know if they're keeping Limited. I don't know if you saw that. Like, Limited is still pretty popular. But yeah, in a sense, like, I'm similar for you. Like, I remember, I don't remember the actual time it went up now, but I remember every day, like, refreshing the SCG page to get the new articles and stuff. And I don't read many these days, but that's just, like, you know, after... Not that I don't need them, but like I've just stopped reading them. But when for younger people, they're definitely a huge part of getting better at magic and learning. So it's just it's sad. Like I'm sure we all get it. We understand. There's no there's not really in tournaments, people don't want the competitive stuff as much, but I'm sure there was a whole swath of people still reading it and like subscribed for that. It's just a sign of things to come as well, right? It's this toppling of dominoes, which started with um wizards like gutting OP, as people say, which it, for good reason they do say because that's what's happening and then this is just another domino falling in the like you know if we're taking away the competitive articles uh because there's no competitive events and then like in the future there's probably gonna be no pt or gps like what is the future like there's this uncertainty and we don't really know um if if this stuff is going to come back like i could see scg completely bringing it back again a few years down the line if there was, you know, another company that made events again of the same, like, you know, size of GPs or SGG Open stuff. But right now, they don't know. We don't know. Doesn't look great, to be honest. It's a pretty bleak, uh, bleak news. And that is it. Yeah. Yeah. Just just to um, uh, cite some of the players that have actually let go from their writing stuff. It's Todd Anderson, Paulo Vito Damodarosa, Brad Nelson, Brian Gottlieb, Ari Lex, Ross Merriam, Corey Baumeister. So... 
and of course, like most importantly, the content creator Cedric Phillips. I think he actually he he chose to go away on his own terms, and mm-hmm. I think it's even mentioned in the article that that um, made it even harder for them to continue. They kind of blamed him, which I thought was bullshit. To be honest, like they said, oh yeah, without him we can't really do it. Like, I mean, I I just don't buy that. Like, you can obviously manage content creators if you wanted it, but it felt like a bit of a not essentially cheap shot at him, but it was just a cheap way to to get rid of responsibility of having to pass this on. Could just be more honest about it, but. Yeah, he did leave a little while ago. I'm curious what he's going to be up to because he's basically one of the is he like the most established personality in Magic that's not known for, for like here here um <clears throat> but, but he does have a lot of what is it like proto finishes something like he, yeah. he really made a name for himself as a player but even more so as as just like Mr. Magic almost. Yeah, he he was very known in Magic like he was the Kithkin guy. Um True. Oh, do yeah. I remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I remember watching him play Painter on SCG years ago. He had a, he was always rocking mono. Uh, actually, I don't know if it was mono red or shortcake. Anyway, he was always I'm pretty sure it guy. was mono. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I think it was mono red. Um, so I definitely have a lot of memories of him like playing Magic and being amazing at it. But yeah, he just blew up for his commentary on the SCG tour and managing of it eventually uh, for for the best reason. Like he, him, and Pat Sullivan are just the best commentators bar none. And um, that was one of the saddest things to read when they're like they're both leaving because that was like the that was when you knew that the SCG tour is not going to come back the way we hoped or the way it was yeah. before because without them the other commentators are great but they are just the golden couple. I, I definitely definitely agree. Um, one thing though that always felt a little bit weird to me with regards to like how Magic is set up as a competitive game online with regards to the entire ecosystem, which includes strategy articles. When I when I look at other games, other competitive games that people mostly play online, um, that's just like the unique quirk about Magic that you can play it online and offline. There are websites that publish strategy articles that publish competitive, like articles catered towards competitive players. But their articles are basically never written by the pros. They are always written by like people who either make a name for themselves as an analyst, or they're just like written by somebody nobody knows, who just randomly submits an article about, I don't know, how to play StarCraft well, how to do this aspect of Street Fighter well. But you barely ever see the actual pros, and the bigger the game gets, the the less likely it is that you will actually see a pro write a competitive article geared towards helping other people in the game whereas in magic that's the most normal thing forever and like even the very the people at the very top of the game would constantly write articles all the time i think i guess part there's there's a bunch of reasons there but i guess part of it is magic is still very much a social game like the games you're talking about they're online based they're not in person based enough and like Sure, at the very top of the competitive game, you have people that are trying their best to win, as as you would expect. But you always hear like stories of everyone at the top being friends as well and knowing each other. And um, I think that trickles down through every single thing, down to the PTQs and wherever, where people are trying to win, but at the same time help each other. And that just comes with in-person mm, games. I, I kind of disagree with that. I, I, I disagree with that quite a bit, actually. I think there's there's something to making a name for yourself as well that people want. Yeah, yeah, but you would do that in tournaments. But yeah, I, I guess with like people, nah, nah. That, well, the, the one thing I'm seeing is um, that's very, very different from um, what pros and other games do is that for Magic, writing still used to be like your main source of income. Um, I, I saw Brian Kibler write about this early on when he was like one of the 
top money earners in the game, by far his biggest income were still his writing gigs. And I think it's quite different for, yeah. for people in other um, games, just because they they usually earn like a salary from a team. And I don't really think that that um, anybody in Legacy ever or uh, Legacy, oh, I wish, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, in Magic really earned like a monthly salary. Like like if if they did, it was probably tied towards having to write. Which yeah, I guess you're right. It's just, it's just a different setup. I think that is again partly to do with um, online games versus a paper dominated game. Where, yeah, it's just a different thing. Like, what what are teams getting from from Magic, even at even at its height? Like, they're getting the rewards of prize money, sure, but like, it's never been a, a kind of a public facing thing. So, I think the the money making thing for articles, right, is selling cards. So, it's it's not going to be a team. It's going to be a, a card trader that's going to be one of these. Oh, that's actually interesting. If other games actually allowed third parties to introduce items and sell them which is basically the, the magic secondary market right mm-hmm. then maybe the very pros in that's when they I, i'm just saying street fighter it. or starcraft or whatever it be maybe even league of legends I, I i'm just not mentioning league of legends because i have no idea how it works mm-hmm. um, so maybe then there would be more incentive for websites to pay pros enough money to to like put their name out there because if if no pro ever writes about the game then if one pro comes out and writes a competitive article about the game, that would be a huge draw in, in another, another game. Mm-hmm. And that would only really make sense if, if the company could sell something. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, why, otherwise, I I doubt SCG or Channel Fireball are actually making the money they pay the writers based on like subscriptions. Maybe it's close, but it, it doesn't seem like a ton, honestly. Yeah, I just know what I earned when I when I wrote for them. Like, mm-hmm. wrote for them. I wrote two articles. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea was, how much people are paid, honestly. Well, I guess I can say it now. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Um, I think I earned $200 for two articles. And I was very much a nobody back then. I had just won Bazaar of Moxon, and, and they gave me 200 And, and you can imagine, like, if, if, like, a big juggernaut, like, PV comes in, he probably earns way more than that. Okay, and yeah. So it's not that surprising that, that those pros would say they, they still earned the vast majority of the money writing. Yeah, but now enough. that, yeah... SCG actually mentions, right, that their their content um, department was... Where is it? I didn't actually read their article, just <laughs> saw, saw the too, too long to read. Perfectly, perfectly, <laughs> I, I even copy-pasted it. So, um, well, let me, let me read part of the quote from this this article, because, you know, I should have read it. I, I, I went over the two and didn't read. But um, what they said is, in recent years, the overall effectiveness of our pub- publishing such content has decreased substantially due to a lack of in-person events. Wizards of the Coast significantly reducing their investments in both capacitive measure the gathering play and the concept of the professional magic player and a, vari- a variety of other situations that our content creators, editorial team and company simply have no control over. During this time, we tried to stick with a slightly modified version of our same content publishing model, but doing so resulted in our content publishing division losing a substantial amount of money in each of the last two years. Sticking with that same plan for a third year wasn't an option. And in order to address the issue, I realized that we were going to have to make some significant changes to our content publishing model. Unfortunately, I also realized that doing so would require making some incredibly difficult choices. So, yeah, essentially what they're saying is they've they've lost money over the last two years. A big part due to COVID and no paper tournaments. Uh, that makes sense at, at a level one. But I think the big thing is, yeah, like Magic Online uh, organized play just stopping essentially and moving to online but you can still write articles for online obviously but 
there's just been a huge, huge drop off the cliff of interest in the competitive scene, basically, and professional magic. Like, there's nothing to aspire to. There's nothing to play for. People don't care about doing well as much. It's it's now a hobby game rather than a path to you know play at the higher levels. You know, there was always these quotes of you know, play the game, see the world, which uh, became play Hearthstone, see see the world, and stuff uh, like that. Or like play the game, <laughs> see another chat room, see yeah, another, get invited and, to a yet another Discord. And now it's just play the game and um play the yeah. game pay the bill <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah play the game buy your wild cards um so i i can see why they're making the decision um it's just yeah it's, it's just like it, it just reminds me of uh that's why i brought it up in the other games now that um SCG is not really like selling all that much stuff anymore we, we see the pros move away and i see the parallel to other games where like the the big news websites don't mm -hmm. sell anything in the first place except for ad space, I guess. Yeah. And if you want to sell ad space, it's much better you bring in like the casual crowd, which is going to read your cube articles and your, you know, EDH stuff, because that's everything that SCG is going to keep. Yeah. And I think it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. And the bottom line is, like, they're right. People just aren't playing magic in paper and they're not selling cards. I mean, just myself, I was buying tons and tons and tons when everything was normal before COVID and we had tournaments. Like we still have tournaments, obviously. I'm going to a sweet one next next week, actually. But um, like it's just nowhere near the same as before. I would yeah. buy like I remember the Pioneer GPs just before COVID hit. I bought like five or six decks like in preparation to have it for <laughs> testing and stuff. Like it, it's fun doing things like that. Like like being super invested in a hobby. It was really cool. And now I'm just like I've bought some Masticors and some Spirit Mongers and stuff. Yeah, SG aren't making money off people like this anymore. So. Yeah. But it's actually kind of cool that you're buying those cards. Did, did you actually buy Spiritmonger because it has been a meme for the last, last couple of weeks? Has it been a meme? <laughs> oh, well, I tried to make it one. It uh, looks like I failed. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I haven't seen that. No, I played it last night. It was sick. Or maybe, you know, maybe it actually spread around to you and you didn't even know the origin of the meme. That's when, you know, you really made it. Yeah. That's I am the meme, etc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, yeah, let's see how, how content creation and content publishing, first of all, is going to work out in the future. I think a lot of that is going to either move to Patreon um, or people... Yeah, it, it's going to depend a lot on where all these people are going to find a new home. And that not, is not necessarily yeah. going to be um, written magic content. Patreon is a good point, actually. Like, it's like it's pretty popular um, and it shows that people are willing to pay for this kind of stuff. But... With Patreon, you can go, you know that it's one going directly to the players and you really pick and choose like what you want, where you want it. So I'm, I am I go back and forth, to, like subscribe to a few people and um, you can like just go and subscribe to someone for a couple of weeks, like learn about the deck and stuff. But you find the, the actual like, you know, top players of that deck that focus on that and stuff. So um, it's, a, it's a business model for these single players that can get them probably more money than they would they would get making uh writing some articles for a website every now and then so yeah maybe that's where we're going and i don't mind it yeah the the one thing that sg was doing for them was the entire marketing thing right because that's yeah. probably like really good writers out there that nobody's ever heard of nobody did and, it better than sg yeah. like making the players names so yeah that's that, that's the model everybody's trying to copy now <laughs> yeah 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 cool so uh before we talk about Drago and one more change that was very welcome by the community, even though it kind of flew under the radars, um, the Saturday Legacy Challenge is going to be changed in the way that it only has a minimum player number of 32. It used to be 64 and it hadn't fired since like last summer, I believe. 
So Wizards is finally going to make the change and they're going to be like, you know, 32 players, Legacy, you can do that. And in turn, they're also going to decrease the payouts to the top 32. So very obviously, right, this weekend's going to see like 100-something players because everybody's going to be excited about the Raga 1 ban. Everybody's going to be excited. The challenge is going to fire again. <laughs> so. You, so, yeah, I, I bet it's going to hit 64, as you said, and you can spin so many narratives on that. You can just choose whatever you want. Yeah, people hated Ragavan so much. Now they come out in droves. Or, yeah, people, like, now that they know it's going to fire, they'll come out and play it. It's probably a mix of both of them. Um, but, yeah. but I'm definitely going to try to make it if, if I don't have other plans. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to play it, I think. It's cool. still the same time, right? It, it's still the same time, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. I should be there. Let's see if I wake up in time. Cool. Cool. It's, it's only midday on a Saturday. I should be fine. Very <laughs> Famous easy. last words. Yeah, and Europe, you're <laughs> just spoiled, right? Both Legacy yeah. Challenges are still at reasonable hours, whereas in Japan, you're like, I think it's oh, yeah. either way. I, I have it so good. It's it's unfair. Should we talk about the monkey in the room? Yeah, or not, yeah, yeah. Or not in the room, actually. Not in the room anymore, right? He, he was <laughs> yeah. here for a couple of hot minutes. Um, how long do you think... I, I actually looked it up earlier. How long do you think Ragavan was in the format? How long was Ragavan in the format? I'm trying to remember. Was it like last spring? Yeah, I think it came out in June. So like six months. Ah, okay. Oh. It, it I still remember the episode where we did it, where we compared it to Dragon Rights Channeler. And I think people at the time were thinking that Ragavan was going to be better than Dragon Rights Channeler. But I think... I definitely it, it, said Ragavan is better, and I still believe it. I mean, it is better, right? Yeah. But, but Dragon Rush doesn't take away from Dragon Rush Shangla being like no. the card. Like, people are talking about whether Delva is going to go up to four Delvas again. They already take it as a given <laughs> that Dragon Rage Shangla is going to be a four of. And I think that says everything you need to know about Dragon Rage Shangla. Well, of, like, it was four of already, so why would yeah. you cut some? Yeah, true, yeah. true. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. It's probably it's better than Delva, but yeah. I don't know, like, if it's just so good with um, Merktide as well, like, if Merktide was banned, theoretically, Dragon Rage Channel would get a lot worse. That's true, that's true. So it, It's like a major source of why people can sometimes, like, lose their graveyard, and then, like, literally two turns, turn, sometimes even just, the next turn, yeah. you, you have the dragon coming down. I, I think it would actually lose a lot of power if Merktide was banned. Like, it would be worse than Delver for sure. Vice versa as well, right? Well, mm. Without Dragon Rage Channel, once you deal with the first Merktide, the second Merktide's going to have a lot of a harder time coming down. Yeah, yeah. The, the design team were just like, yeah, we know it will make these two cards good together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eternal people will love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, Monkey is gone, and Wizards actually provided a couple of reasons for that. So I think Wizards in general has been a lot better about communicating bans but also not banning things. Uh, did you see the, the pop-up panel video they made? Yeah, it was amazing. Like the insight they gave and a huge description of what they looked into, why it didn't work. We didn't get that for this this ban thing, but it was also like, wasn't as hyped up. We don't have the panel as Pauper does. And it wasn't done by Gavin Verhey, um, who's just incredible. Yeah. So um, I, I still liked what they said about Legacy though. Like, I think a lot of people were expecting more and hoping for more. And I get, a lot of the frustrations and stuff about it but can we i'm just going to pull up the the quote they said because i think this is super important to highlight that they said basically they're going to keep an eye on the format and um might make further changes so they said quote we'll be keeping an eye on how the legacy format continues to evolve in the coming weeks and are willing to make further adjustments soon if needed however we feel this is a large change and would like to see how the metagame adapts before considering if other changes are necessary they've said like coming weeks that's really soon so 
that to me implies that they were very, very heavily thinking that they might ban further things. So my hunch is that they were looking at Merktide as well, or hope or hunch. And they're, they're saying we're willing to make further adjustments. So I like this this way they've done things. I like just banning Ragavan, just banning one card and saying, look, we know that it might not be enough. That's what they're doing. Like I keep seeing these like comments from people all over the internet saying, oh yeah, well, the Blue Red Delver is obviously going to be the best deck. Like, yeah, that's what they're telling us. They're telling us they know the deck is still going to be the best thing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that Blue Red Delver is the best deck in the format. It's a really good policeman. I think it's a healthy thing, even though I and many people are probably a bit tired of it. But I'm really glad that with that snippet, they are saying like, look, we know that this might be enough and we might do something else in the coming weeks. Just chill, see what happens with the Ragavan ban. And I think it's a pretty big toning down of the of the deck. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting um, because I think we've never really seen that before where Wizards was like outright saying we, we have made a change and if it becomes required, we will make a change soon. Like the soon is the one thing that I'm seeing. I'm like, whoa, this is this oozes action. I've never seen that either. I'm, it might have happened before and we're just forgetting, but I, I've never seen it before either. That's what really stood out to me. It wasn't the the ban of Ragavan. It wasn't the lack of other bans. It was that that sentence. It was just like, yeah. okay, this for me feels like they do understand what's going on. And this is the first time they're not like preemptively banning something. Like, for example, Zerda was banned for like having a high rate in leagues, even though it wasn't really played very much. And... um I can't remember some other examples. There's probably a bunch, but it was like there's a preeminent thing. But here, I guess there's nothing. There's not an immediate rush. The, the only rush in banning things is enough people get sick of the format and stop playing. So it's it's a real concern. But it's not like they have to ban something before you know three months or whatever. Like you know they can they can let us chill for a month or two, see how Delver is without Ragavan, and go from there. And I'm fine with that. Cool. So should we should we um quickly go over the the reasons they gave us why they are actually touching ragavan just touching yeah. ragavan sounds so dirty dude <laughs> the cheeky monkey yeah so the very first reason they cited is basically the the league win percentage the, the non-mirror win percentage which is important because otherwise it gravitates towards 50 percent so the league win percentage in non-mirrors was 56 percent and Time and again, we have seen that Wizards draws the line at 55%. Yeah. Like, whenever they ban something that was, like, too powerful, they would always cite that 55% threshold. And looks like Blue Red Diver is sitting just above that. And, like, I think Ren and Six yeah. Delver was 55, so this is even a bit higher. And I'm so glad they, they said this, because this this win percentage was such a, a topic of discourse on, like, uh, Twitter especially. <laughs> like, God, there'll be a challenge where Delver got ranched and it'd be like 44% and everyone like, see, Delver's fine. And then there'd be a challenge where it was like 65% and like, oh, bah. Um, It was obvious to everyone else that wasn't getting involved and wading in the mud between the conversations there that obviously, like, you can't take a single uh, sample size like that. But, you know, they've come out, they've given us the win rate. 56 is very high. It does warrant action, especially considering they also said it has twice as many trophies as the next highest archetype over the past few weeks. And that's they say the past few weeks, but it's probably a long time running. Like twice as many trophies is this quite a big difference. Um, yeah. So the win percentage, it's funny you mentioned it, right? Because everybody was constantly talking about that. And I have a good authority that Stephen Hawking, before he died, he was actually trying to figure out the win percentage of Blue Red Diver and Leaks. But <laughs> never get to that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest things. So yeah. it's awesome when Wizards releases these, these stats, yeah, um, just it. so we can settle that and not be like, oh, it actually was like 49%. Like, what, what was it when they banned? When they banned a modern card that was like 49%? It was, in Virtue of Truth, it was 49%. 
Yeah. <laughs> which I absolutely adore that deck. It's one of my favorite of all time I've played. And so that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the precedent they set for saying, look, if like, people really hated playing that deck and it was legal for a long time and it was the best thing for a long time. And that's part of accepting that you play this game. I don't have a problem with there being enough community outrage that it bans something. People play this game for fun, especially now with like competitive being gutted. Like, you know, I don't think you should need to have this super high win rate to get something banned if no one likes the card. I don't think anyone likes Ragavan, right? <laughs> There's probably going to be some monkey pirate enthusiast <laughs> just like, no, it's Actually, at my local game store last night, shout out to Simo. He's, he's a guy who plays in London. He played a uh, pirate stompy deck a few weeks ago and he was like oh well my ragavans are not good now <laughs> so there's there's well, some good pirate players oh my god yeah awesome guy. shout outs <laughs> yeah it's great the, the one thing i want to mention is um the the number of trophies that's the one thing where i was like yeah that's that's not that relevant for me at least not in no, the in the in the winning department just because like so many people played blue red diver and we will see that when we when we move into a couple of other stats we have pulled up here um in a minute uh what it means to me that they won twice as many trophies as, as the next highest archetype just means to me that a lot of people were playing the deck. And that by itself is almost like problematic to Wizards, I guess. At least it sounded like it. It's it's a mix of both things, right? It's a lot of people playing the deck and it's winning enough. It doesn't mean too much in the grand scheme of things, as you say, I agree. But it's it's still like, you know, showing that it's clearly on top of everything. Something I also want to mention, actually I didn't put it in the show notes, but I remember them saying it. And that was the part about snowballing. Because snowballing is something that you, it's a lot harder to measure. You could probably like, uh, write algorithms where you're like, oh, if, if monkey connects in a game, what percentage of games end in the next three turns or something. Uh, but that's not really something that I would expect results to do. Yeah. So instead they, they are mentioning it. Let me pull it up here. Yeah. There's actually, there's actually a great tweet from Dom Harvey uh, saying... Uh, he oh, says, yeah. <laughs> when you never get tired of typing the same paragraph, and he just shows the banned announcements for Ragavan, Dreadhorde, Renin Six, and Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like that, that's the nature of Legacy. If you have yeah. like cheap stuff early on, that, but that's they're getting banned ahead. for the same reason, so it's fine. So the, the snowballing thing, um, I want to mention is so they mention in addition to the high league win rates and large tournament metagame population, we've heard much discussion about the tendency of games to snowball from an early Ragavan, backed up by protective spells like Days and Force of Will. Most people were that I heard talking about this were talking about, oh, this means like Days and Force of Will are safe, which is also going to be another thing that we will talk about later on during mm -hmm. the listener questions. Um, what I actually got from that was that they are saying we've heard much discussion about the tendency of games to snowball though that gives like to me that gives me the feedback that hey we are being heard on mostly twitter right yeah. uh, or when anurag writes this letter is <laughs> this annual letter almost at <laughs> yeah, this point yeah. <laughs> and that, that's kind of cool that they they heard these tendencies because apparently that's not something they get from the data but they hear from players that the game snowball and i, I mean it makes sense right just by by the nature of how i I, I think they are a lot 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 more clued in to what players like and don't like than we expect or assume it's very easy to see discourse on twitter and wherever and just like get general feeling for stuff so i think they they do monitor this kind of thing and yeah it does show that they do 
You, so. you know what I'm wondering? <laughs> if, if I was Wizards, would I ever want to properly disclose who really are the people who make the decisions? <laughs> Because we think it's like no. Ian Duke, maybe Aaron Forsythe, and, and Gavin like already said that he's not involved with that. Like imagine if they clearly said this is our panel of people who make those decisions, they would be swarmed now. Well, after Forsyth after. basically said that today. He's been very active on Twitter today and putting out some very interesting things, which I think we'll probably touch more on two of them. Uh, he he also put one out because there's a lot of uh, hit back about like modern not even getting a mention in the BNR. And today he quoted he put out a tweet saying, um, "Modern players, we hear you. We didn't mention Lurus because we felt like." The moment you mention a card is kind of on the watch list, then it becomes a lame duck format. And I completely agree with him here that you shouldn't say that something is on a watch list. It creates a terrible feeling in the format and people just don't want to play. So I think no news is better than uh, like maybe news in that sense. But he put out a thing saying, Lurus is by far the card we talk about the most. And we didn't think that like uh, it, it needs to be banned, essentially. So I think he also yeah. said that that pot will never come back and that twin is being discussed all the time. And that got yeah. a lot of people excited, right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if that happened uh, as well. But it's cool. Like, basically, so we got tons of information today, right? So he said that, which is cool, that, like, there are unbans being discussed in modern because there hasn't been something unbanned in modern for a long time, I believe, like Golgari Grave Troll or something. I can't remember now. Hasn't which... Golgari Grave Troll actually been unbanned twice or something? Like, <laughs> it keeps bouncing uh, back and forth. Yeah, it was unbanned twice and banned quickly after the second time or something. <laughs> or actually, no, 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 wait, it's the other way around. It was banned twice and after the first ban was unbanned and then it was banned again. It keeps exactly. bouncing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like it was, it was unbanned just after Faithless Looting got printed. So yeah, uh, obviously, obviously things went wrong there. Like Dredge was absurd. But anyway, it's just really cool to hear that they're talking about all of these things, right? And Gavin said a thing. Uh, do we have in the show notes? So I don't like. Yeah, it's yeah. It'll, it'll come up bottom, later. I added it. We we can we can. So basically, he says. Um, Actually, Phil from Eternal Dirtles said, Hey, Gavin, there seems to be a communication gap on which cards by Wizards of the Coast considers pillars of the legacy format. Could you tell us if Days and Ponder are considered unbannable the way Force of Will, Brainstorm, and Wasteland presumably are? And Gavin says, very interestingly, first, I don't think anything is truly unbannable. That is already is a, a big thing. That said, yeah, classic staples are less likely to go because of their history. It's all a sliding scale depending on the card. I can't help with the specifics. I don't work for play design and wouldn't want to speak for them here. But this is like an, a lovely insight into how they're working. And I personally am really glad to hear it. I am a big fan of keeping classic staples in formats. Um, like Days is the perfect example, right? This is what we're getting at when he says um, Days and Ponder. And part of the whole like, you know, ban Days thing was, you know, they're going to keep printing these busted new cards and we can't ban them forever. Well, I think we can and they should stop printing them. <laughs> and I'm not going to shed a tear for the Ragabans and the Red and Sixes and the Dreaded Arcanists. I don't care if they get banned. I, I like the, the old cards that actually have interesting non-snowball-y play patterns. So that's my... Beginning yeah. of a rant, and I'm cutting myself off. I, I, I guess at this point, makes sense. Um, we, we have a listener question from Kinda, who's asking um, if we were on the legacy panel, which of the cards, like those classic cards, would we declare off limits? Or I guess you don't declare them; you get just, just yeah. like rec make recommendations to results. You, you already mentioned days. Um, uh, Phil also mentioned Farsafoil uh, or Ponda, Brainstorm, Wasteland. Is, is yeah. there are there any other cards that you mentioned? Yeah, that so are untouchable. So like he says, so Gavin said, I don't think it's anything that's truly unbannable. This is different to what like communication we've had about vintage, where they've said like workshop is a pillar and 
I agree with that thing as well. Like, I don't care if all the lodestone golems have to get um, restricted. It is what it is. But I think force of will is like the most obvious thing, and it should never ever be banned because it's the sacred glue that holds our format together. I I'm of the opinion that brainstorm is actually incredibly good for the format as well. I think it's like it's obviously like overpowered, and if legacy was like being tweaked to be quote-unquote the best format it could be or if they were trying to make it the top competitive format then we'd have to like reassess everything right like fetch lands are too good they're broken um brainstorm is too good it's broken but like i i always believe that the blue shell while it continues to be the best thing in the format and probably will be for the rest of time i'm just terrified of how strong the combo decks in this format are and i think the cantrips and force of will and days are like pretty key to keeping these combo decks playable good but in check there's back and forth because cards like brainstorm let you like get thought seized and then you can play some cantrips and find the hate again and then fight through all these powerful discard spells like the deck that's always jumping to my mind is reanimator i think yeah force of will is completely necessary to keep that the, the terminal wins in check but the cantrips are necessary to keep the redundancy in check and i think the moment you start like trying to to make a form without brainstorm the whole thing just crumbles in my opinion and yeah i don't know it's just such a pandora's box to open and i don't yeah, the really... one thing that scares me is that um it, it, basically i'm wondering is grizzlebrand already a classic in legacy like it came out in what was it, like 2012 that's 10 years ago and if yeah. it is we're never gonna get rid of it <laughs> yeah i i think like reanimator would be completely unplayable without it now um i don't like cool. the play patterns let's, of let's it. make that a thing <laughs> yeah i don't like the play patterns of it it's like yeah if it comes to play you're dead but I mean, the the like swords just um, eat your the archon or whatever. Like I don't know. Can you imagine reanimates without Grizzlebrand? I th- I think it'd be. I, I can. It's just like a matter of ex- like what you expect. I could be wrong. Could be like completely unplayable. But yeah. pe- I think they're also like more likely to call something completely unplayable than during like quote unquote the golden age of legacy because that's that's the one thing I keep going back to uh, always yeah. is that during that time most combo decks were not a joke but i want to say like 60 to 70 percent even of people playing combo were not in it to win it mm-hmm. it it was like combo decks were much more fragile they existed you you would get like destroyed by them if you if you had absolutely nothing and that's but it's kind of hard to describe it to somebody who didn't play back then. I'm trying to remember what were like the top comodex and legacy like in 2010. Like people played. It was like non mystical uh, tutor reanimator and. Yeah, stuff. yeah. That, that, that was the <laughs> one that was banned, right? Because blue black reanimator, that was really, really broken. Yeah. Uh, but looking back, uh, there's like there were some show and tell variants, but they played like progenitors and woodfall primers. And that yeah. really wasn't a thing until um, Omniscience <laughs> became a thing. Yeah, I remember 2012, Omniscience made show and tell a real deck like show and tell started showing up in 2010 i very much remember 2010 was the year that show and tell broke out in legacy With dream horse as well yeah dream horse literally dream horse was the deck uh, like not the card but yeah. people discovered dream horse as a hard castable thing that you can also show and tell into and from there, show and tell became a thing with like Woodfall Primus and progenitors like what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah it's such a weird different day like it was just like a burn deck in a way like glorified yeah. But the one, the the first thing that actually caused trouble for people, uh, like the the the, the mid range non blue crowd, was uh, Hive Mind. I remember Hive Mind. I oh, think yes. was a top eight or top sixteen. I don't remember. GP um, uh, Amsterdam two thousand eleven. 
that's that's the first time we realized okay combo is good but not totally broken and also reanimator was still beatable except for blue black reanimator blue black reanimator keep going back to that deck. that was probably like the the best combo deck in the early to mid history of the format mm-hmm. and it's one of the few storm um, was always around as well right yeah storm was around but for storm okay that's the one thing to be said about storm it was built horribly a lot of times yeah. it took forever for people to actually adapt to like putting Gitexian probe and cable therapy in the deck like those two cards were legal for quite a while in the deck and people just didn't play it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like, yeah i guess it was always just seen as like this this cool thing you do rather than big potential yeah and people are probably just uncomfortable using cable therapy when they don't yeah. have um <laughs> yeah. but yeah that's that's very very, very much of a tangent t- i guess yeah. if you if you want to understand my ideal legacy then you have to understand that my ideal legacy is one where combo is playable but you have to be less prepared for combo than you have to right now if you're a non-blue deck and that's basically my yeah that's julian's world (laughs) cool and um which cards would you argue off limits i'll just add that like i think the blue shell is an important part of the thing i also think stuff like a land's eye diamond and dark ritual and lotus petal are like off limits for me as well it sounds if, pretty much right, right? Yeah, if, if something I, like Underworld Breach comes along and breaks them, then just fucking ban Underworld Breach as they did. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, show and tell is like definitely off limits, right? And mm-hmm. Unless... But actually, now we we can still keep doing the thing, right? Where we ban the broken thing and we keep around the enabler. Yeah. By the way, <clears throat> hashtag survival died for this. <laughs> I would, yeah. If it wasn't for the, the money cost, I would unban survival in, in a heartbeat, personally. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like interesting because that's that's... When the policy used to be different, right? Back then, it was always talked about whether the, the enabler should be banned or the broken thing, in that case, mm-hmm. Wenchwine. And back then, we banned the enabler. But now we are, especially when it comes to non-combo, we just ban the broken thing. And that's, I think, what we're going to be doing moving forward. Yeah, I hope they continue. Now you see like what's happened to survival. Wenchwine's never done much else. And we all like, are nostalgic for this cool card that's lived on the ban list all its life. I wonder whether, uh, whether survival would have been way more broken down the line. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> though, like, I, I, just, I just don't see it. Um, me neither. Me, uh, me neither. Definitely neither. But uh, I, I'm curious. Yeah. People would have, like, it could have continued to be really good. And then th- there's always this, like, dangerous thing of, like, when survival looked like the card they should ban, and if they banned Vegvine instead, and then, like, they'd be like, oh, well, obviously you should have banned survival if it didn't work. Um, a more recent example of this is they banned Bridge from Below rather than Hogak in Modern. And that was obvious. And they were like, well, obviously you should ban Hogak. And I think they're worried about that reaction again. And like, obviously they should have banned Hogak. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah. So here we are. I We could go on about unbans. I think they could unban almost everything. Yeah, maybe we're going to have another episode on that. And yeah. The, it's just, just like bans and unbans is, is always such a popular topic, especially unbans. And <laughs> yeah. maybe we're going to have a dedicated episode are super on popular. that. I don't mind talking about unbans. I don't. I, I find ban talk when it's all like speculative and especially when there's like mudslinging back and forth, it's it's a bit much. Yeah. But no, exactly what you mean. Yeah. So going back to the uh, the Rogawan ban, something Wizards also mentioned is that their Eternal Weekend data was inconclusive because a lot of people have been asking for, hey, you told us that you will make changes after Eternal Weekend. So so there was a lot of disappointment because I think Eternal Weekend happened, was it like in September or something? Yeah. yeah. So, so quite a while ago. Yeah, they they could have communicated better. This is This is a bit of a drop in my opinion. But if they said like, oh, we, we looked at this and it was inconclusive, 
I don't know if that sends a good message. Maybe it does, actually. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because um, I think when it came to Astrolabe, they specifically mentioned that the data is just not there yet to ban it, which among the community created this feeling of, <laughs> okay, we all got to play Astrolabe decks now and crush so they can find just <laughs> yeah. have the data to do it. <laughs> I remember that. It was like a community-driven thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if we get like enough players on board, we can like get them to ban the craziest cards. <laughs> it's just like, put, I don't know, put, uh, what's a weird card? Put Chase in the sideboard of your of your burn <laughs> deck and, and do well with it. And then after a while, it's like, oh, Chase is showing up in all these winning deck lists. Must be really good. If you could ban any one card right now on the spot, no questions asked and no one remembers it existed, what would you do? Personal brand. It's <laughs> okay. it's the original sin of Legacy. <laughs> okay. That there's, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record when when I talk about like the great catastrophe of like the end of 2011. Of Innistrad, uh, yeah, in block, uh, especially <laughs> ever since restart. Nothing. Yeah. It all the, changed when the Innistrad nation <laughs> attacked. <laughs> yeah, the worst thing is Innistrad was like one of the probably the worst limited formats of all time. And so they just gave us this horrible set. <laughs> oh, was it? I, th- I thought people loved it. No, I, I had no idea. No, it was horrific. The um, <laughs> it was uh, like blue red, uh, blue green was completely broken, and you could have five people drafting blue blue green at the table, and they would all still win. It was pretty funny. Uh, sounds anyway, exactly like yeah. There's there's your snippet. <laughs> anyway, cool. yeah. So yeah, we were we actually we went back and we took a look at the win percentages of Eternal um, Eternal Weekend. Shoutouts to Chow Dai and his crew who put this together. And it looks like Blue Red Diver had a win percentage uh, during all the three Eternal Weekends combined of right around 53%. So I don't want to be like in a position where I'm like, ah, if it only like won a couple more matches, but I, I can see why to Wizards this was inconclusive, especially since there were a couple decks that did better. Most notably, green white depth did better. Uh, it looks like Doomsday did better as well. Blue Zenith, uh, Blue Zenith. Yeah, Blue Zenith was the one that nobody really talks about. Like I think we've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, but somehow it still flies under the radar. That's the eighty card Yorion deck, right? It's it's a weird one because it did really well at the um, those events. I, I think also a lot of the time in the hand of like Magic Online grinders that don't specifically play Legacy unless they want to or have to. And then it's just kind of dropped off again. I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's a good deck. Really good. Yeah, it's it's just like EDH and Legacy. That's that's <laughs> what I keep going back to. It yeah. looks so ugly, but I guess it, it it attracts people who just like want these these nitty gritty. Yeah. Well, as far as nitty gritty blue always go, like blue is still blue. So <laughs> well, it's cool. Like you just have all the really good blue cards and the good white removal, and then you have the Green Sun Zenith package, which is insanely powerful. Like you have access to your scavenger use, your collector roof, your Leovold. And then a primeval titan as the top end for field of the dead. It's just a really powerful package to have. And then ramp in your arbor. It's just I think it's just it's clever deck building. It's it's putting two strategies together that are both upping your resiliency and upping your consistency. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm gonna go to try at some point in my life. <laughs> at some point in my life, I, was, I thought you were gonna say like you know the classic Julian. Oh, I get really excited by decks on the stream. I want to go and play a league afterwards. No. This is like five years time. <laughs> Yeah, it almost sounded like when people say, you know, maybe I'm going to try drugs like, at some point in my life. <laughs> no, it's it's not a super exciting deck unless someone's really into this style of playing. And those, those people Yeah, that's what people say it. about heroin. Mm, I'm not trying to sell you on heroin here. I'm just talking about Blue Zenith. Yeah, you it's, start it's, with crack or something. I don't know. I, I have no idea how drugs work. <laughs> hey, man, you want some uh, Blue Zenith? I got some for you. Dude, that could actually be like a street name of a drug. Blue Zenith? Yeah, it, it, that sounds like a party drug. Oh, dude. <laughs> I wish I would hate this. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give you some uh, Blood Moon, yeah. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Hit, hit me up. My doomsday just doesn't do it for me anymore. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that's the worst one. <laughs> worst one yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, um, I think we're both kind of excited. Like, I, I'm always excited when something gets banned. Uh, I For, for the Raga 1-1, one, one, I wasn't really pushing for it. Uh, most importantly, I guess, also because I... I never really felt like the decks I play are affected by it. And it, it, I have to admit, I kind of enjoyed the infighting between like all the blue decks because like I think the blue-red diver players and the, the uh, Europile diver players were the ones who were affected by this the most. And I take some cruel pleasure in seeing them suffer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy about it too. I didn't get involved in band talks as much as possible, but I didn't enjoy the card at all. I kind of was with you like... I think it should be banned, and I'm glad it has been, but also haven't felt strongly on it like through the whole time, if that makes sense. There's been some really frustrating games that have happened, just like anecdotally, where the like, oh, that was like such an annoying thing to hit and stuff. But I haven't felt like the cards made me want to stop playing like Oko did. Oko made me stop playing Legacy and sell like a quarter of my collection. I hated it so much. I haven't mm. had that visceral reaction. But um, I don't know. I, I actually... like. Merktide almost does that, but that's that's another discussion. Yeah, I have a feeling Merktide might not be long for this world either. Yeah, I think so as well, and I kind of hope so. I had this also this friend Simo. He, after his um, pirate stumpy uh, brew, he said to me, "Callum, do you think Monkey will be banned? Should I sell them?" And I said, "Yep, yeah, absolutely." And so he sold them last week, just in time. And so last night he asked me, "Should I sell Merktides?" And I said, "Yes." So we shall see. Oh, dude. <laughs> This is like some proper uh, hashtag Callum finance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said I've been right each time he's asked me so far. So, yeah. yeah that, that's why the queen wants to talk to you. She wants you to yeah. become like treasurer or something. Should, I, uh, should I short, short Merc Tides? <laughs> <laughs> you the imagine if the queen was actually like super The queen of England like, is short Tides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out she, she owns like 20% of all the Black Lotus in the world. So <laughs> she wears like a, a necklace. Yeah. Or a, a <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. never mind. Never mind. Um, to, to provide a proper send off to the monkey, though, um, Tom the Decker in our Discord is asking, "What were our favorite Ragavan moments? Do you do you have like specific things that came up where Ragavan stole something? Was the most hilarious thing ever? It's, it's, uh, hilarious. Uh, I had a really, I've had some tilting ones. I'll like one of the most annoying ones was actually on Sunday last last challenge where it was a cool game. It was really back and forth. Um. I'd built up a bit of a board and they had a Ragavan. And then they got, it was the uh, the non-Delver version. So they got a Crucible with Wasteland going. Like, that's really good. But I had um, one basic and I was kind of fight, fighting back and forth. And then I got a Saga to go off. So maybe they just didn't draw the Wasteland yet. Well, no, I Wastelanded their Wasteland and then like cracked a, um, a Soul Guy Lantern. So it was a really, really interesting back and forth game. And then they played well. They found a spot where they could like, E away all my construct tokens and then like play some removal spells to clear the board and start getting Ragavan through. And so my saga was about to like you know go off into chapter three, but I had no other lands. So I had a hand of like four or five creatures, including like a mother of runes and painter and a lot of good cards. And okay, I have one eighth of all in the deck I can go and get. So obviously Ragavan attacks, the first hit is a mother of runes, which is really good because then I can't like draw a removal spell like a the whole portable hole so i can't draw that anymore so they play the mother of runes and then my next draw is portable hole obviously and so my saga cracks off and i go and get the eighth of all so i'm like okay i've got a planes and this thing and then they they attack with ragavan again they hit my one of pithing needle and i'm just like <laughs> come on oh that's the best part right yeah. when you stop i was almost going to say like a combo deck with their own tools uh, no, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they hit my one of pithing needle and 
I'm just like, because I played in other runes, they bolted it. And then like, I just had no lands and nothing to do and whatever. And um, the other worst time was where I played Lantern at my local game store. And it was our first week back playing Paper Legacy. Really excited. I thought Lantern is super janky and silly enough to play week one. And there was two two guys who I hadn't met before. So it's really cool to meet new people in London playing Legacy again. And both of them were on Blue Red Delver. Um, so first two matches were like that. And I've just come from playing loads online. I'm like, oh my God, okay. And so in like game two, one of them hits three discard spells in a row, like taking two ensnaring bridges and other good stuff. I'm like, God, fuck this. <laughs> Why did I come to play? Um, <laughs> like three discard spells in a row was was something. Yeah. Um, for me, the, be- the best feeling I had was when I played uh, Blue Red Diver against, I think it was actually Sneak and Chill, and I connected with it four times. So I, I got a bunch of those those uh, treasure tokens, and I think on the fifth time, I actually hit Grizzlebrand, and I, I literally got so to cast sick. Grizzlebrand with the treasure tokens. It's so sick. Oh, that's the cool. Best, right? That's that's like <laughs> unlikely enough that it's actually cool. I mean, that that's the kind of feeling that that, that Dragon you, One exists for, but yeah. not for stealing Ponda and Brain Summons and stuff like that. I just feel like a lot of times you'd attack and then offer a trade into like a, a Mother of Rune style thing where you don't really want to block because if you're untapped, you're all good. And then it just like hits the source of plowshares and you're like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that kind of thing happened a lot. But um, yeah, it can do some cool things. I was watching Raid Duke stream a couple of days ago and for the challenge so yeah a few days ago and he was playing against a hogak deck and ragavan hit twice and on the second time hit a ley line of the void and so just played it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes. yeah oh my god oh, i mean yeah. he was so amused and chat loved it obviously it's it's an entertaining card he was just like so i played a, Le- a hard cast ley line of the void in my deck that doesn't have black mana that doesn't play ley line of the void this is sweet you know you know what i'm actually wondering today this is something like I was thinking about on the way back from work today. Do you think people will be nostalgic for Ragavan the same way they are nostalgic for other band cards like Dreadhot Shaman? Dreadhot Shaman? Oh god, that's not so <laughs> Dreadhot Shaman. Dread, Dread, Deathrite Shaman and, and like, I don't know, Sensitive Divining Top and stuff? No. Um, I think people aren't nostalgic for Ren and Six or Dreadhot Arcanist. They're nostalgic for Deathrite Shaman and Top because they were legal for a lot, lot, lot longer. And they were much more format-defining. Here we've had Ragavan for six months. And like maybe if it, it was like released years ago and was around for longer and people had like learned to deal with it in a way. But I don't think it would have been made six years ago like or years ago. It's, it's too good. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they'll be nostalgic for it at all. I don't think even Blue Red Delver players like it. It's just a silly card. Yeah. It's it's probably the most pushed one drop we have ever seen. Like, even just a one mana two one at some point in Magic's history, right, would have been like the fuck they are doing. Like, yeah. we have Savannah lines, okay, and and that's pretty much it. But now it also has like dash. Wait, and it, it it doesn't end there. Oh, there's down. No, there's upsides. The fuck are you doing, guys? It's it's a cool card. Like people like Ragavan. People like what it does. Make it two mana. It'd be fine. It's cool. But they yeah. Hey, you know. Also, what's, I think the, the, the points about like being nostalgic because the other cards had, had been legal for a lot longer, I, I think one thing that's also going to make people a lot less nostalgic about Ragavan was um, that unlike Top and Deathrite Shaman, Ragavan was insanely expensive, right? I think it was like true. 100 ticks, dollars, what, what have you. Yeah, that's very true. Top Top and Shaman are always like $10-ish. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And th- there's always been this thing where like from the day it came out, Everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's obviously going to get banned at some point. So no one wanted to buy it. That's, yeah, it's a very good point. 
Like I like when 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 the when yeah okay that's the worst comparison. I, <laughs> like, like one day one day we're gonna it. have like an episode where I I like we cite our worst comparisons if you ever, ever made but didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um. No, I I don't think anyone will miss it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So looking forward, uh, the the. I guess it's going to take more than just like the next legacy challenge, which Wizards already mentioned that it's going to be a couple of weeks where they're going to be looking at things. So if you want change, uh, this is the best time in the year to be the change you want to see in legacy and hit up the legacy challenge and mm -hmm. yeah. show us what's broken or not, because that's also what a lot of questions on our discord revolved around. Yeah. Uh, just just we, saying on that, on that note, just everyone needs to prepare themselves for the waves and waves and waves of smart people saying, well, of course, we're a Delver top eight to the next challenge. There's, there's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. A tempo deck being really good in Legacy? I never heard of that. It's more, it's more possible than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, watch out for next week when there's going to be like eight Maverick in the top eight and like no Diver to be seen anywhere. <laughs> and people are like, oh, we have to unban, I don't know, what's the most broken? Like treasure cruise. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Give them hope. <laughs> uh, I will say... One dynamic that's changed with Ragavan Band is like endurance is incredible against Delver. It's just absolutely insane. And it's even better now because Ragavan was the only card in Blue Red Delver, really, apart from like Cyborg Cord of Cunning, that like changed the life totals of resource dynamic. So Ragavan, you know, would hit would hit Ponders and Brainstorms sometimes, or like Carpet of Flowers or Sylvan Libraries and all these things. Um it actually did generate card advantage against control. But now all their threats are just damage based. So endurance is just now this insane blocker that can come down even a turn or two later after taking in some chip damage and then be a very relevant card. Whereas against Ragavan, you're a bit more forced to like you know play into it and remove it as soon as possible. So um, I, I think the 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 four color Uro control decks got a lot better against Delva. So um, that's a cool yeah. dynamic. And I if I had to guess. I would certainly think that, and I mean, they already showed towards the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think they were already um, that, better. Yeah, good into yeah, it. That deck, that, that four color Uro mid range, whatever pile, yeah. uh, I always call it Anorak pile because he just like pioneered the idea of adding the fourth card. At least he, he popularized yeah. it. And I think that deck, it, it, this is like the number one contender for being the best deck in Legacy right now, along with Blue Red Delver still, of course. Saying that, what's cool about Legacy is obviously everything changes and then everything changes underneath what changes is. Right, so Control can now use their lifestyle resource more, Combo can as well, and Ragavan had this effect against Combo decks where it kind of soft banned Discard and Defense Grid, and Daze to an extent. So Discard was obviously awful if they hit it with their Ragavan, so like you just saw like Doomsday cut it, and um, you know, uh, Renomate played it as well, but you just took that risk because you couldn't hit yourself with Thoughtseize, it was just too good. So I think we'll see... Uh, discard come back to combo decks which is and then combo decks plus discard is just very good against these slow control decks and um defense grid is good again because ragavan would like you know pay the tax of the treasures and stuff if you need to um so i think i think combo decks will just get a lot better with their ragavan as well on multiple levels so they will then come and say like hey slow derpy control deck we're going to destroy you again so interesting yeah the, the i think the the one prediction from that's that I would want to draw, but it's probably like too far fetched, at least as of now, would be that Whale of Summer could become a card again. But I think at that point, if I really wanted to say that this is going to be the way Legacy plays out, I don't feel confident enough in that. But if it actually happens like that and this card and Combo Dex becomes like a very mainstay thing again, then maybe. Could be. Knows? To go deeper, I think it could be. Veil of Summer is obviously amazing against 
uh, combo decks, especially if they come back to discard. So good point there. I think to make it like a properly relevant card, people want to play in their sideboards. Black has to come back in some form in a fair deck as well. So, I mean, look, if if elves or like eight cast with all their are like are really, really hammering the format, I could see the control decks playing Plague Engineer. And then when you're playing Plague Engineer, you could you could see more of like the Witherbloom Command control decks, for example. And when things are going in that direction, then I, I could see it come back as well. So it is a bit down the line, but I, I can totally see where you're coming from. Cool. So Disco Drogo is asking, will Chalice have more of a point again? I don't see why. I don't think so. Um, I think another big, big, big winner from Ragavan going is Blood Moon. Um, Ragavan just made Blood Moon look ridiculous because you can obviously cast it or dash it off red and then you make treasures to cast your other things. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Moonstompy deck come back and obviously that just will play Chalice. Chalice's problem is Prismatic Ending, which absolutely isn't going anywhere. There is another question, which we'll get to in a second, that says, like, will there be fewer Prismatic Endings? I think absolutely not. Like, it's still... You'll still want like eight good, eight removal spells with four endings and four swords against the Delver decks, and then ending as your answer to like the Sylvan Libraries and anything you want. That's why it's so good, right? So I think yeah. I think people will play the exact same amount of removal. So yeah, I don't prismatic ending is just like such an influential introduction. Like it, it, it was kind of sub, subtle, su- subtle, su- subtle, subtle. You you guys don't pronounce the B. What's wrong with English, man? <laughs> that's a very very long. Big box to yeah, open. Yeah, that's probably like an entire podcast of its own. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, prismatic ending. I think we only really started talking a lot about it during the last couple, like two or three months, as a card that's heavily influential. Like everybody knew it was good, but it, it also had this effect of like a lot of like smaller things kind of going away. Uh, I mean, seven libraries still around just because it's so important to the to the. Um, we still have no proper name for the deck, the Uro deck, Uro yeah. pile. Yeah. Uh, but stuff like Chalice goes away, and people are also like a little bit more hesitant to play Carpet of Flowers. Uh, at least against these decks, like I, I don't feel great putting it in against any deck that has prismatic ending. Mm-hmm. So mm. yeah. So yeah, I, I think Chalice has no reason to be good, especially. But in conjunction with Blood Moon, I can see it being better. I, I want to jam um, Sargulus for Blood Moon Imperial Painter a bit. I think that's gonna be good. Actually, in conjunction with Blood Moon, I, I guess yeah, since they have no basic white source in, in these kind of decks, right? Otherwise, they could just like overpay for the chalice, like you pay two and, and you get, still get rid of the chalice on a Blood Moon. But if you don't yeah. have a basic white source, you can't do it in the first I, place. I, I just mean that people who play Blood Moons will play chalices as well, not especially oh, okay, because okay, they're good okay. together. No, sorry, that was not clear. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't just. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that also like that's basically the question that SC Tilly was asking about: yeah. Are there going to be fewer prismatic ends? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. And then the the one weird question that I've seen a couple of times: Did Delva actually get better overall? I'm gonna leave that one to you. <laughs> I could have a little rant. Yeah, I think definitely not. Basically, the idea is Ragavan was not good against elves and D and T especially, and. Um, like there's been people saying, you know, this is like a, a nerf to those decks in a sense. So that's how you should look at it. Uh, Elves and DNT have gotten worse against Delver um, until you start factoring, like, you know, Delver has to dedicate some cyborgs to other matchups now. That's a, like you could go on about that for a while. But yeah, they got worse because Elves especially just didn't care about getting hit by Ragavan unless they're two life or less, I guess. But um, like the cards you hit just very rarely mattered because Elves is a highly synergistic deck. So that that makes sense. And DNT, you could hit some better things, but like you just you just both decks gum up the board. Um DNT even has Caracas as well. Like both decks really didn't care about Ragavan. But 
and they do care about flyers. So Delver is just better than Ragavan against them. So Delver's going to come back. There's still the Dragon Rage Channelers. There's still the Merc Tides. So that's their problem, and that's where they're going to be. So they'll have gotten a little bit worse. But this is how I want to approach it, rather than saying Delver actually got better against the metagame. That's assuming that Elves and DNT are such a big part of the metagame that they actually dictate how good Delver is, in a sense, which I don't think so when you look at... Yeah, they're probably like the in the top three or four played decks. Delver obviously taking the hot spot, but... Yeah, um, I think Delver's just gotten worse because Ragavan is so good, simply as. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about this for, actually not only today, um, I think somebody mentioned it in, in one of our legacy chats a while ago as well. And I think the one scenario where this would actually be true would be where Delva during Ragavan was actually not as good as its numbers showed. And I'm, I'm not going to even try to explain that, but basically the idea would be that Delva is so concerned with the infighting between Delva decks that they have to use this really powerful tool for the mirror match that is Ragaban, and in turn drop a couple of percentages against against the rest of the metagame just because the deck is played so much. And I don't really think that I that just, was happening. I don't think those percentages are like they're big enough to be dropped. Like you drop against DNT and Elves and not much else. Honestly, um, like even me playing a lot of Painter. In theory, I have Painter, which is a 1-3 that comes down fairly early. I have Welders, which I very often would trade for Ragavans. I have Engineers. There's Imperial Recruiters, which just loves to trade with Ragavans. But like I got tempoed and, and like bolt your blocker out and then they would hit good cards because I had good cards in the deck to hit, not like DNT or Elves had things that didn't work for them. I, I, I think gumming up the board is not always the best. Like it, it doesn't make the most sense because they can clear it if they want to. They can daze and bolt and force whatever. But um, you need to be playing things that are synergistic with the rest of your deck enough that Delver doesn't actually want them. Like if they hit a Thalia, they're not casting a Thalia. If they hit a Wildwood Symbiote, they don't care. But I, I've, I've, I've lost to my own Wildwood Symbiote speeding me down. Yeah, they, they can beat you down fine. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah it, I've, I've I had agree. like actually multiple, multiple times I've had Ragavan hit, hit an Imperial Recruiter, then they go and get a Dragon Rage Channeler. Like that happened a lot. It sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that's such a weird situation. Yeah. And actually, that's pretty like the card it feels like the most hit, but yeah. Cool. So moving on, um, the, the, this one we already kind of talked about. Uh, Pete Dan is asking, how will the ban of Ragavan influence removal suits? I, I think we, we keep going back to stuff like prismatic ending and uh, endurance and stuff. And yeah. I think there's, if any, like if anything, people will be more even more mindful of Merktide Regent and the decks that can play Assassin's Trophy have at least a little bit more of a reason to play Assassin's Trophy now. Yeah, my, my, thing, would, thing. my thing would be you'll see more if possible pyroblasts just because it kills deliver as well and Merc tide i i don't think removal will change at all to be honest yeah 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 i mean people will probably like stop playing like a random caracas on the sidebar of, of some, yeah. some deck. Okay. yeah there will, there'll be less random caracas oh actually sorry gut shot will stop being played oh dude that's a big one that's a big yeah. one for the mirror right like yeah. they can finally like drop the gut shots yeah and and put proper cards in there again. so uh goblin lackey got better uh, kind of even better but yeah okay gut shot is the one that will stop seeing played um we'll probably see uh what's it called Unholy and by the way that in turn is going to make elves a lot better because now alusara shepard is going to be safe true true <laughs> it, it is it is a good thing for dnt and elves that gut shot won't be played a very good thing i'm happy to see the cut go yeah it's it's the main decks that merge that these kind of decks used yeah. to play i wonder if that balances out ragavan being in their deck <laughs> cool 
and then one last by the way there also has been an unban that nobody talks about Kai Savatari has actually been unbanned from not being allowed to ask questions in mm. everyday eternal for two episodes <laughs> <laughs> and and he submitted a pretty good question and that one I think I, I put that one towards the end because that's just like about um, your your overall approach to magic and how you can enjoy magic as a whole so Kai is asking how do you as competitive players start enjoying casual formats such as commander where you have to stop thinking about best place opponents drawing four cards per turn and such how how do you arrive at a place where you can just like enjoy magic this is by the way me adding my my own rephrasing of the question how do you get to a place where you as a player get to just enjoy magic for the sake of it without being overly concerned about optimizing your play yes that's there's a few things like it is a really hard mindset to get into when you're just used to playing competitively I still don't particularly enjoy multiplayer games just in general because my inner monologue to myself is just like play the game to win. But yeah, you 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 just need to be like, I guess it's weird to say it's like confident in yourself that you can completely unwind and not care about winning at all. And I actually want to quote um, in our listener questions chat, um, C. Tilly said a really good que- answer to this question, I think. They said, one thing that took me a little while to internalize that is that in Commander, with four players, your expected win rate should be 25%. That's a cool way to look at it. Like, you're not expected to win. And it's it's hard for people to work out how they're meant to play. Like, you know, a common thing is like, how do I like, you know, do I just make mistakes while playing? It's like, no, you just, you can tone things down. You can play sloppily. You can F6 online. You can like you can chill out and for me the way i i've played edh is view it as a board game it's a it's a game you play with your friends together and you're playing this game together you're not trying to beat your friends you're trying to create this enjoyment environment and so with board games again you're not you're not like sometimes you'll go for someone because it'll be funny in a social context or sometimes you'll help someone because it'll be funny in a social context that's edh it's, it's a game you play together rather than against each other i see so that's helped me play it yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, just the the analogy to it being a board game. That's something that also really made me, f- for the first time ever, really understand how Commander can be fun, even though when you're trying to just, like, not think about plays and let go and have a good time and play your flavorful deck. Because that's so far removed from, like, I, I guess both you and me have been doing for over 10 years in, in Magic. And I can really appreciate that uh, because it reminds me so much about how I had this phase in my life where I literally couldn't play offline video games anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a very, very bad thing because every time I, I did, I played a video game, it was like, okay, it's got to be competitive and I want to get better every single day. I want to like, I want to figure something out. I want to get better every single day. So I couldn't like take an amazing adventure game or something and play it offline because that wasn't competitive. And even if I tried, I would immediately like look up all the guys, how to maximize this quest, how to get the best reward from this quest, quick save, quick load all the time, maximize, optimize, min max. And it's, it's such a bad thing. Like it really didn't make me enjoy games anymore. And I think I didn't play any video games almost offline for like five years or something. And eventually I, while well, a lot of things changed and I forced myself to do it again and I really started enjoying it again. And I, and I realized the best thing for my enjoyment of a video game and I guess in that case also a board game, would be not to even think about optimizing my play beyond just like giving it a random thought at the moment and not like look up a guide and, and do all of that stuff. And I think that's one thing that's, that really makes you enjoy these kinds of things and appreciate them a lot more, that you just completely detach yourself from the expectation of winning 
and attach yourself to the expectation of just living in the moment. Yeah, and talking about expectations, it's about trying to work out everyone else that you're playing with expectations. So if you're like, it's, you know, try and work out what power level people expect, not even what they're playing. Like you can make bad plays just to make the game more enjoyable for everyone at the table. Um, so Kai also says, am I not chill enough? Some people actually do that in Legacy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's legit. Like, you know, I think this probably happens all the time. Someone could be like, well, I have the win, but like, if you do this, this is really funny and cool. Oh yeah. I, I was actually more thinking about bringing Nick Fit to the table, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay that was probably a bad shock that nobody got okay no if you got the joke hit, hit us <laughs> Wait, you, <laughs> i just you, i just like nick fit player I, oh you are oh, did, oh, dude yeah, I, I, I played so much nick fit uh for years when i was like learning legacy it taught me all i know man but yeah it's it, it is hard to go from just playing 1v1 competitive uh, magic into that setting i'm still not very good at it and i i really dislike multiplayer games generally so it's it's a tough one but yeah you just need to almost like try and lose in a way and then i think you'll just start having more fun if people like if people realize that you're not trying to be cutthroat and win they immediately like just warm up to that and then i don't know you just have a fun time just also just play a really shit deck that has one thing it does that's really dumb and really funny like i don't know so some friends of ours we play edh online sometimes and i've played a few times i made like a mono red really bad thing that just like copies other spells and like warp worlds and stuff so whenever someone played a big flashy spell i'd copy it as well so the power level of the deck is completely dependent on the rest of the, the players decks and then when they play something busted i would do the same thing if they wouldn't do anything good i'd be like oh well my thing does nothing so um <laughs> actually that's, that's a genius concept yeah it, but when it people ask fun. you like for the power level of your deck it's like it's a dynamic power level that adjusts <laughs> according to, to what yeah. you are doing like it's full of clones and copy yeah. and everything oh my god that's actually is that already a thing? Because that that's a design space for wizards to like print a commander or precon or whatever that, that they should really be exploring. Could be. My command was Italy. The uh, the it's a six mana six six when it attacks. Everyone else has the top card of their library, and you can cast one of them. I think. I don't know. It, it died every time I played it. That sounds but... scarily familiar. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was a joke about putting it in sneak and show because you can like flip Emrakul or something. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Anyway, that, that's how I enjoy things. For silly stuff. Cool. And, and Kai's second question is, am I not chill enough? Yeah, don't... Okay, quickly, Kai. Do not put Thassa's Oracle in your EDH deck. Like, chill. Chill. <laughs> I know you yeah. will, but... He's going to make some completely busted, broken, just blue-black uh, combo deck. And no. I think, Kai, if you want to actually have the real answer to this question, let Twitter choose your commander. Oh, that's... A, you just, like, you remove all the accountability. It's like, oh, <laughs> I lost, but I didn't make the stack, so, you, you know, whatever. It, it's just, like, kind of funny to me that Kai comes to us with this question because of all the people I know, not only Magic, Kai is probably one of the most, I don't know, chilled-out guys to hang out with and discuss things. Like, I've never really seen Kai get actively angry and grumpy and pissed off, and he's like, oh, he's probably going to be like, oh, Julian, you've never seen my true form, but that's just, like, my impression <laughs> of Kai, that he, yeah. like, even if you had disagreed about something he would be like super happy and chill and like dude okay whatever um, let's just like not get too deep into that and i think that's exactly the mindset that makes you enjoy commander where you're like okay whatever i'm not gonna try to win i'm just gonna i want to make this funny play with my i don't know eight eight trample flying hippo monkey whatever <laughs> and it, it's funny like kai try to put some more real life kai into into commander kai and i think you will have a lot of fun yeah let's let's do a stream with playing me you kai and someone else Oh, dude, like, like playing Commander? Yeah. 
<laughs> I've done that before. Uh, yeah, I, I would be actually. You know what? That's, that's amazing. We we gotta get somebody on there as well. Can who, can who, I vote? Give me a vote. I want kinda from the Discord. Ki- oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the guy from from your local legacy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he, he submitted he a couple EDH. of like donation decks to me. That that yeah. was quite fun. <laughs> he is the craziest brewer in the world. So yeah, that's quite the title. Yeah. Awesome. So with that, I think we're going to call it a day today. I'm going to give shout-outs to everybody who's been supporting us, especially on internal witness tier, Tommy Hinks, Testacular, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Jake, and Severin Schwarzuber. And in our, our, I'm so sorry, Grizzlebrand will be banned in Julian's perfect world. We have to rename the tier then. <laughs> on Grizzlebrand tier, Victor Bernatz, Bachibat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Joel Granahead, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. If you want to make um, this list, if you want to, most importantly, help us out getting the word of Everyday Eternal out to the world, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or join the Patreon, join the Discord, and just hang out with us, uh, find out about what's going to be my commander. I have absolutely no idea. Like, I, I played the pretty spiky ones, but whenever I played commander, I only ever had spiky commanders. I think I was going to play a, a pretty chill one. Mm. Isn't there this, this this giant goat that that just like distributes permanence around and gives everything oh, away? Oh, I remember that one, Zedru, I think. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's going to be the one for me. My ones when I was younger were oh, I played Carador, the Ghost Chieftain, when Grizzlebrand was legal, and I would just like entomb for it and Grizzlebrand every single game. It was not fun. <laughs> Sounds miserable. <laughs> but I had a, I had a Feldegrift deck as well. It was like group huggy. That was cool. Oh, that that's cool. That's that's the that's the hippo, right? Yeah, the hippo. And cool. I, then I got then I got into like. The building mid power level, and then I watched GP Seattle and got into Legacy. Wait, GP Seattle that was two thousand and um. That that was when 13. like a single lingering soul token. No, 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 fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, something like that. Wait, you you've been playing Legacy for longer. I was like following it and watching it, but I wasn't playing it before that. But then I played like I took a break and came back and got into EDH for a couple of years. But I played old extended and everything before that. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah. because in my head you were like one of those old school guys, and I was like, "Wait, only 2015?" Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I play. I, I was playing like Exalted Angel and Extended years and years ago, stuff like that, and Wild Mongols and Standard. But then I took a long break and then got back into EDH I for see, a couple of I years, see. and then yeah, cool. So with that, that's going to be it from us today. If you want to follow us on social media at EternalMTG on Twitter and Instagram, uh, you can find me at It's Julian Twenty Three on Twitter, and also streaming on It's Julian on Twitch. By the way, you guys had no idea how many takes we had to do on this because it's... <laughs> you thought I was bad at remembering my names. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, you you did the perfect thing. You can now choose your handle on every single social media, streaming, YouTube, whatever platform. Yeah. I have different, I have slightly different ones. And then being slightly different makes it even worse. Like I have Julian23 on MTTO. 23 different ones, yeah. Yeah, maybe I gotta pick a better nickname. Oh my God, that would be a thing for 2022. Julian picks yeah. a new nickname. It's it's tough to like you know people don't know your new name so I'm enjoying Cloud Goat Ranger I'm gonna keep keep going on with that one for a bit. Awesome. Yeah. And is that where people can find you on Twitter? No, it's a Callum Smith MTG. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Perfect. Perfect. So everybody have a great time. Enjoy the new Monkey Free World, and we see you again in a couple of weeks when Merktide Region is gonna hit the, the <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dust. And see you Saturday in the challenge. Bye bye.